Hello and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today I'm going to be jumping into my first of 16 previews for all the NRL sides coming toward this 2022 season. Uh, I'll also throughout the year be doing a weekly preview of the games for the weekend, uh, all the games, the team lists, things like that, signing news. So I will be doing a weekly NRL podcast, uh, but I thought just in the off-season I'd like to put some things out there. So I'm going to do a little bit of a... uh, go through of every NRL team, and at the end I will give a prediction as to where I think they're going to finish on the 2022 ladder. So today I'm going to start with the Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, I'll just give you a bit of background about myself. I am a Warriors fan. Uh, I was born in New Zealand, grew up, always been a Warriors fan, Uh, but my dad is from Canberra, so I've also always grown up as a Raiders fan because the games have always been on in the house, and for most years they've had a bit of an underdog team, so... I really like their team now as well, the Canberra Raiders, but if they played the Warriors in a grand final, I am a Warriors fan. But against everyone else, I'm also a massive Raiders fan. Now, if you want to follow the podcast, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at NotJustASportsReport, and you can also follow me on Spotify, and you will be able to see whenever new podcasts like my NRL content are posted. Now, one side note as well before I start this Bulldogs uh, preview Uh, is that the COVID situation, I don't really want to talk a lot about it, but that could really complicate the season massively. I think from time to time, or even maybe every week, we're going to see a handful of players, maybe if they test positive, they're not going to be able to play. So it's been really hard to predict how everyone's seasons are going to go, because you just don't know. We don't know, maybe like, uh, I think the Bulldogs have all these great signings, and then things happen with COVID and whatnot, and then they're playing like a lot of like, I don't know, Jersey flag and reserve grade players, then you don't know. And the same for like the Panthers, you know, who knows if they're going to have to play some of their New South Wales Cup squads. So I think that is really going to come into play, the depth overall at clubs uh, in terms of how teams prospects are going to go. But here's hoping that we don't have any COVID interruptions uh, and that everything runs as smoothly as possible. So I'm going to jump into the Bulldogs podcast now after this royalty free music. I will be jumping in Canterbury Bulldogs NRL 2022 season preview. All right, let's get started. The Canterbury Bulldogs 2022 NRL preview. Now, the Bulldogs have had some really lean years in recent times. They did have that Des Hasler era of success when he moved over to the club to coach the Bulldogs from Manly. But then toward the end, they kind of, yeah, they ended up sacking Des. Things weren't really working. Uh, And Des has shown that he's an awesome coach since going back to the Seagulls. But Dean Hepe ended up inheriting an absolute mess of a team off Des Hasler. It's just been a totally chaotic situation. They got Dean Pay one of their own, a former Bulldogs player, to coach the side. They said they were going to give him time to fix things. Uh, They didn't give him a whole heap of time, but to be fair, not a great deal was being fixed. I don't think that's really Dean Pay's fault. I think everyone else involved, and Dean Pay to a degree, but I think all the people from the Bulldogs, from the absolute top down, uh, I think some of the people that were a little bit above Dean Pay on the board and things, I think they could be a little bit more to blame just because of the instability of the club. Now, we've now got Trent Barrett coaching the team, who I think is a great coach. And you add in the addition of Phil Gould, who has a great working relationship 
with uh, Trent Barrett. They've worked together at the Panthers before, and I'm sure they've worked elsewhere as well. Uh, and there's also going to be a hell of a lot of roster changes. They've signed some marquee players to really turn the fortunes of the club around. And they've also signed some lesser-known players that I think will be quality. And they have let go of a hell of a lot of players. So they've gotten rid of plenty of their roster that hasn't been seeing success. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for, to see like how good the Bulldogs can truly be. But Barrett's a great coach. Phil Gould is one of the best operators in the game. Their signings have been absolutely unreal. I'll just quickly go through the signings now. I'll start with the losses, though. So they've lost Nick Kotrick. He's going to go back to the Raiders. Uh, that situation, that one-year stint, really didn't work out. I think Nick had a lot higher hopes for his stint at the Bulldogs, and I'm sure the Bulldogs did too, and Trent Barrett, but things just really didn't work out there. They've also lost Nick Meaney, who was happy to go to the Melbourne Storm without even having a guarantee of playing first grade. I think we may see him on the left wing to start the season for the Storm, but he, he was playing fullback for the Bulldogs, and he would have still been definitely in calculations for regular first grade time here. But he chose to leave, and he has gone to the Melbourne Storm, which is totally fair. There's also Renoff Atoni, who has been one of their better and more consistent forwards in recent times. He's going to go to the Roosters. I think he will add a hell of a lot to the Roosters. I don't think, obviously, he's going to be like a game-breaking player, but we saw what their injuries were like, and now that they're getting players back, uh, they've also lost Isaac Liu, so I think, or Leo, sorry. So I think Atoni is a really great signing for the Roosters and a decent loss for the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs have also lost Will Hopawati to St. Helens, uh, which I still think Will was an NRL quality centre or fullback even, but probably not a an NRL fullback. But he goes over to St. Helens, who have had a mountain of success of late two or three, maybe three. Three straight uh, Super League titles, I believe. So he's going over to a great club under Christian Wolf, who is also his head coach at Tonga. Now, the Bulldogs lost Adam Elliott. Uh, I'm sure you know about that one. He's gone over to the Raiders. Now, the Bulldogs didn't want to lose him, but they have lost him. Uh, and yeah, they'll just have to move on from that. Lachlan Lewis has been released, uh, not without getting a great speaker, portable speaker first, though. So yeah, at least Lachlan Lewis... Uh, left with something, as well as NRL game time, which is probably better than the speaker, right? Uh, Dylan Napa is going to be going over to the Catalans Dragons, which, uh, if you listen to Hello Sport and the Beaks podcasts together, then you'll know what crumpets are all about. If you don't, then don't worry about it. But yeah, Dylan Napa linking up with Tyrone May and Mitchell Pierce at the Catalans Dragons, that spells some serious trouble. I still think they're going to go really well. Uh, but I think they're going to go better on the town, definitely. Now, the Bulldogs have released Sione Katoa, who is the dummy half, not the Sione Katoa from the Cronulla Sharks, the winger, obviously, because he's at the Sharks. Uh, they've also released Dean Britt. They've released Chris Smith, who I ended up, has ended up landed, landing. Wow, can't speak English. Has ended up landing at the Penrith Panthers, which is where he played his junior footy. Uh, Bulldogs have released James Romanos, who didn't play a single game of first grade, but he was really quality in their reserve grade sides. Uh, Brad Deitz, or Dietz, he's been released, which was interesting. I thought he went all right last year. Uh, Watson Haleda, who I don't know if he's ever played a game of first grade. He was at the Tigers for quite a while, but I don't know. He might have played like one or two games, but yeah, I don't think he cracked the side for the Bulldogs. Uh, Falakiko Manu got released as well, which is interesting because he did play a few games last season, but... 
Obviously, it was kind of just a stopgap solution until they could sign some really quality players. Not that he's not a quality player. I'm sure in another NRL system, he would go really well. Uh, they've released Christian Crichton, who's now at the Panthers. They released Ofahiki Ogden, who I believe is on a train and trial with the Parramatta Eels. And they released John Asiata because John Asiata wasn't going to get vaccinated. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. It's, this is not really... This is not really the podcast for all that deep discussion, but yeah, he just said, I don't want to do it. And then there was kind of like a mutual parting of ways. And I think he may land, uh, I think Featherstone Rovers or something like that. I saw there might be an English club interested in him. So we'll see what happens with John Asiata. Now, in terms of their gains, I'm going to jump into those because the Bulldogs gains are undoubtedly what everyone or what has everyone buzzing, sorry, heading into this season. They have signed Matt Burton, now a premiership winning, well he was a centre, but he is a great, great 5'8". Coming through the grades, I've heard Phil Gould talk about him uh, in depth, and he said even from a very young age, like you could tell this kid was good. I saw him a couple of years ago in an under-20s origin game, playing for the New South Wales Blues, and he was the man of the match, absolutely killed it. So this is a huge signing for the Bulldogs, this is what they can build their entire future around. It's, uh, I don't know if it's, it's not quite similar because they're not similar players, but it's similar to when JT left the Bulldogs, Jonathan Thurston left the Bulldogs because there were guys in front of him and then he got the chance at the Cowboys and then they built a whole side around him. I think Matt Burton can be that good of a player. He's obviously not Jonathan Thurston. Uh, Jonathan Thurston is a future immortal in my opinion. I, I don't know how that shit works to a deep level, but I think he's an immortal. Uh, and yeah. I think Matt Burton is exactly what they needed. They needed that 5'8". This gives Trent Barrett someone that he can mould the club around. And Burton and Barrett already have a relationship because Barrett worked with him at the Panthers in 2020. And uh, I'm sure they've also done work before because I know the Panthers do things like their halves academy where they have guys like Trent Barrett come in and talk to their young halves. Even the ones in the junior grades, which they had Nathan Cleary doing that from a younger age probably Jerome Luai, so they would have had Matt Burton doing that as well. I think he would have learned plenty. He knows that he can trust Phil Gould and Trent Barrett, and they know what they can get out of him. So Matt Burton is an absolutely sensational signing. In my opinion, I don't think this is going to turn them into an instant top eight outfit, but long term, I think similar to how the Panthers are awesome now, I think the Bulldogs can be awesome. They're making huge waves. They've even signed a couple of huge Mikey players for not this season, but next season. So I do absolutely think they're on their way. Whether that happens this season or not remains to be seen. So Matt Burden, an absolutely sensational marquee signing, as is Josh Adokar from the Melbourne Storm, another premiership player, an Australian Kangaroos representative, and a New South Wales Blues incumbent winner, so, uh, winger, sorry, and winner, I guess. Uh, so yeah, Josh Adokar, obviously he's a bit different because you don't build the whole team around him. I know that he wanted to play fullback. Maybe we do get to see him play fullback, which would really shake things up. I don't know um, how they'd perform. I think they'd probably perform better. I don't know. Dufty looks slated to start the season in fullback and probably Adokar on the wing. But if we saw Adokar at fullback, I can definitely see that as a success. It's just a massive gamble for the Bulldogs at the moment just because of where they are uh, in terms of success or lack thereof. So Josh Adokar... It's going to be a huge, huge signing. I see him playing on the left wing. And that is another, I guess, 10 out of 10 signing. I can't fault it at all. 
He adds a lot. He'll be able to bring some experience from what he's learned at the Melbourne Storm. And he'll be able to finish tries. He'll be on the end of Matt Burton, Tevita Pangai Jr., Brent Naden. So that's a really formidable combination. I think that we can, we can expect to see a lot of success from that combination as well. Speaking of Brent Naden, they've signed Brent Naden from the Panthers. He also comes from the Panthers, just like Matt Burton. Uh, and a couple of other guys have been there, like Jack Hetherington, because Trent Barrett has that relationship, and now Phil Gould has that relationship. So there's all the makings there for uh, Brent Naden to have an absolutely cracking season. I think if anyone's going to get the best out of him, it is Trent Barrett and Phil Gould. And I think having Josh Adokar outside him and having Tavita Pangai Jr. on his inside with Matt Burton being the playmaker on your side of the field. I think all the makings are there for Brent Naden to have a cracking season. I know the last couple of years, although he was involved in the Premiership win and the great grand final run, uh, they haven't been easy for him. He has had some tough moments. And I think the Bulldogs are a great home for him. They'll look after him. And hopefully he looks after them as well with some great performances. Or performances, sorry, not performances. Sorry, sometimes I forget how to speak English. Another signing for the Bulldogs is Matt Dufty from the Dragons. Uh, that was another strange one when they let him go. A lot of people thought that he was just straight out the man who should be the Dragons' fullback because he was creating all their points. He was a sensational player for them, but something was off. I don't know whether it was attitude. I'm not going to speculate on it because, I don't know, Matt Dufty could be great. He could be an amazing trainer. Uh, I could have perceived things in the media that were just wrong, so I'm not going to speculate as to why that is. But Anthony Griffin just didn't see him. In the future, I think Anthony Griffin would have his eyes on some really quality players like Terrell Sloan, who I think he looks like he could be a long-term Dragons, uh, the Dragons, sorry, long-term solution at fullback. But the Bulldogs have gone and picked Matt Dufty up, so he actually now is probably the the number one option for that fullback jersey. I know Corey Allen can play there. Josh Adokar has talked about playing there. Uh, there's a couple of others as well, but Matt Dufty. I think if they can get the right guys around him, which they really have with Burton and co, then I think he can have a cracking season as well. I've been watching him for a long time since his under-20s days with the Dragons, and I've always loved watching Matt Dufty play. He's so electric and exciting. He's quick. He's got great hands. And what we were seeing last year, he was adding a lot to his game. So he's only improving, and I think this is a great pickup from the Bulldogs. So far, I cannot fault any of their pickups, and that also goes for this next one, a little bit of a controversial one. I don't know if you'd call it controversial, but Paul Vaughan from the Dragons, after being let go because of his barbecue incident, we all know about that. If you don't, I'm not going to go into it because we've heard a lot about that. That was last year as well. He served his time, so, and he's copped a lot of punishment, so... I'm keen to see Paul Vaughan back in the NRL. I think it's a great landing spot at the Bulldogs. They really needed some, like an aggressor in their pack, and now they've signed a couple of them. And I think Paul Vaughan will be looking to make amends for his mistakes as well. So expect a cracking season from Paul Vaughan, and also expect a cracking season from Tavita Pangai Jr. He's come from the Broncos slash Panthers. He did finish the year at the Panthers. Obviously wasn't in their premiership winning team, though, because he also... Had a really tough year last year. I won't go too much into that. And he was boxing at the end of last year. Ended up knocking out, I guess, a plumber. I would assume a plumber. But yeah, Tevita Pangai, another big signing. It's kind of, you don't know what you're going to get. Because when he is on, he is on. He is one of the best forwards. Like he, when he's on, he's the best forward on the field. But when he's off, it can really, really be costly. Especially with things like suspensions. Especially when you've got a guy like Jack Hetherington running around too. 
And if too many of these guys miss out through suspension and then you throw in potentially players testing positive for COVID and having to like sit out a game, that could really hinder their chances of making the eight. So I think if they can rein it in and Phil Gould is another perfect person to have there to help Tevita Pangai Jr. reach his maximum potential. But it's going to take some time for all of these great signings to gel. I don't expect them to come and just immediately be a success, even though it is a great side on paper, because they have so many new combinations. Dufty, if he plays at fullback, that's a new fullback to work into your plays. And they will have the preseason to do that, but the preseasons have been interrupted due to COVID as well. Then you'll have Matt Burton at 5'8", which he has been playing at the Panthers, and he's going to have a whole new team around him. He's going to have Jake Avarillo at halfback, I assume, or Kyle Flanagan, both who have massive question marks over them. Both great players as well, just, I don't know, Avarillo is not a halfback for mine, and Kyle Flanagan is, but it's just weird. The way he's been treated and the way things have been going down, I don't expect Kyle Flanagan to be looked at as the long-term halfback solution at the Bulldogs. I thought maybe, like last year when they first signed him, but after the way last year played out, uh, unless they're taking like the hard road of developing him, then I don't think Kyle Flanagan will be at the Bulldogs for a great deal longer. They've also got, uh, at the in the halfback position, Brandon Wakeham, who, yeah, he's an option, but like, he's had a go. He's really good as well, but yeah, just the team. I don't know. The Bulldogs really need that number seven. Uh, they have, of course, signed Tevita Panga Jr. No, not Tevita Panga Jr. They've already signed him, sorry. Uh, Viliami Kikau from the Panthers. Another huge marquee signing, but that will not be for this year. That is for next year. And they've also signed Reed Marnie from the Eels for next year. So to be honest, the two or three positions, sorry, that I look at that tells me that the Bulldogs will not make the top eight this year is halfback, dummy half, and back row. A short, just one edge back row, I think. Raymond Fatalamarana is an awesome player, but his injury worries do, or his injury troubles, sorry, do worry me. So they are kind of short in those positions. They won't get Kikau or Marnie till next year, but those are two of the three positions they really needed to fill. Halfback is the next one, but they have signed Josh Relf to a train and trial deal who I think he played uh, maybe for the, when I first saw him, I think he was at the Gold Coast Titans years ago uh, in their under 20s and he played really well. I liked him. And then I think he may have gone to the Knights or something. I don't know. He played some rep games for Wales as well at international level, but he's just a young halfback. He was, was at North Sydney last year, the Roosters feeder system. And he gets the Bulldogs train and trial deal. And apparently he's been impressing. And he's someone that I've been remembering the name for years now because I really loved watching him play at under-20s level. I think he played Queensland Cup as well for a while. So I'd expect him to play for their feeder club. But to be honest, I think Josh Ralph could be the option out of all of them long-term by the time the season is done. I think we may see Josh Ralph in the number seven jersey for the Bulldogs. They also, I think, I don't know this 100%, but they have did have uh, Stephen Masters on a train and trial deal, who was a centre, who was released from the Rabbitohs too. So that would add some depth to their backline, which they have a great backline, but they do need depth as well. Speaking of depth, they will have the Bulldogs and the Mounties, both their feeder clubs next year. They didn't have the Bulldogs last year, and they linked up with the Mounties. Next year, the Bulldogs are going to have two reserve grade sides, 
So I think that's huge. That's going to give them a really good idea of which players to bring up to NRL level. And I think that's going to be a massive success. Now, back to some of the other signings of the Bulldogs. They have signed Isaac Lumalume or Lumalumi from the Melbourne Storm. He came through the Sharks juniors as well. Uh, and he is a bustling Fijian winger, really quality, great try scorer. I think we will see him start the season on the right wing. I actually forgot about him when I made a little graphic for uh, to promote the podcast. And I had Corey Allen on the right wing, but I had forgotten, my apologies, that Lumi Lumi plays or has signed with them, sorry. So I'm actually going to have Lumi Lumi on that right wing. I think he can be the starting winger. And I think he will really help the Bulldogs. I think he's a perfect guy to have out on that right wing. Otherwise, Corey Allen is great too. But I think he he should be playing fullback. Even if it's Super League, even whatever. I think his best position is definitely fullback. Like, he's just a natural fullback who has been unlucky because there are so many elite ones in the NRL. So he gets parked on the wing. But I think his best work is absolutely as a fullback. Maybe we see him go to the Dolphins under Wayne Bennett. I wouldn't be surprised to see them sign uh, Corey Allen because he's not getting that much of a go at the Bulldogs. And he is a Queenslander, so we'll see in regards to that. Now, the Bulldogs have also signed Josh Cook from the Rabbitohs, not to be confused with Damien. Uh, he's a young hooker, and he's quality. He hasn't played NRL yet, NRL sorry yet, I don't believe. And he has had some injury worries, but he could be the long-term solution or at least like the immediate solution. I know they'll probably start with Jeremy Marshall, Marshall King at hooker, but Josh Cook is an absolute option. I think by the end of the year, we'll definitely have seen Josh Cook play five to 10 games in the starting number nine jersey, and potentially he could end up outshining Jeremy Marshall King and winning the spot for the year. So definitely keep your eye on Josh Cook. I think he's quality. There's also Max King, who's had a couple of year, lean years with injury. Uh, he's been over at the Melbourne Storm. He's also spent time. The majority of his first grade football was played at the Gold Coast Titans. The last signing I have written here for the Bulldogs is Braden Burns, another player who struggled with injury, but at his best, he is electric. He was a Penrith Panthers junior, came through the grades when they were winning under-20s comps, really quality. Uh, he played quite well in the reserve grade too, and then he got signed by the Rabbitohs. He played quite a bit of first grade and he looked really good, but he's just been hampered by injuries. So if the Bulldogs and Braden Burns can work together and he can get his body right and he can play his best football, that is another cracking signing. So I would go 100% A plus in terms of the Bulldogs signings. I rate them highly. Uh, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 in terms of their signings. Obviously, maybe if they got Kikau now and Marnie now, I mean, that would be the best. But... They got them next year, and that just shows now everyone knows, okay, the Bulldogs are serious. This is a team that is really building, and that helps to attract other players, especially now that there's more stability with Phil Gould and Trent Barrett. And I know Barrett is under pressure, but I think under Phil Gould, I think they're going to want stability and want to really build something. And Trent Barrett is the long-term Bulldogs coach for mine. I hope they don't sack him. If, say, they run last this year, I hope they don't sack him because I do think he has all the makings of a great coach, but it takes time, especially when you've inherited a team that is just a mess. So we'll see, time will tell, but Trent Barrett will be under pressure by the media for sure. They'll be trying to fucking get him at every chance they can, but I, I wish him the best of luck. I hope he has a cracking season, and I hope all of the Bulldogs squad have the best season they possibly can, as long as they don't beat the Warriors. 
Now for each club, I'm going to have the X Factor player or an X Factor player. That is the player in the side who is going to make or break games and who could potentially be what gets them into the top eight. So my X Factor player for the Bulldogs is Matt Burton. For all the reasons I went through earlier before, you're going to build the club around him. He is such a great half. He's quick. He's elusive. He glides really well, like he moves really well across the park. He's extremely fast. I didn't realize until he was playing center just how fast he is. So he can absolutely break a game open. My X-Factor player for the Bulldogs is Matt Burton. My one to watch, who is a player to keep your eye on this season, is Paul Alamoti. He is a young center. He's in the system. There's some really high raps on him. They think he's going to be a great prospect. He plays in the centers. I think by the time the season is out, we may be seeing Paul Alamoti as the starting center if an injury or a suspension occurs to Braden Burns or Brent Naden. Who else do they have? They have a couple other guys. There was someone else. Oh, Aaron Shoup. But I don't have him starting the year at center because he's coming off the back of a big injury. I don't even know if he's going to be available. And I think it'll be hard. There's a, there's more depth now, so I think it'll take him time. I think long-term, he is their long-term center, Aaron Shoup. But it doesn't hurt to have another year or two of development. And I think we could see Paul Alamodi slide in if he can stay injury-free this year and really work his way into that first-grade side. Now, quick speak, uh, quick talk, sorry, that quick speak doesn't even make sense. About the coach, Trent Barrett, I think he's an excellent coach. As I said before, I hope he has a great season. I think he's a perfect fit for the Bulldogs. He just needs time. He needs a little bit of time to build his roster and then show what he can do as a coach. Last season, he was basically coaching Dean Pay's side, and they'd lost players as well. So they really, really were in a bad position last year. They were the wooden spooners. Hopefully this season they can go a little bit better or a lot better if you're a Bulldogs fan. And I think Trent Barrett is the man that you want at the helm to get that done. So absolute pass mark, A plus for signings. I wouldn't go A plus for coach, but I'd go an A for coach. Uh, the X Factor player, Matt Burton, one to watch Paul Alamodi. Keep an eye out for him. Now their retention's been really good too. The club has had a, the quality clean out. Got rid of a lot of players to bring some more as highly established and quality players in. And their roster is in great shape, especially when you consider that Marnie and uh, Viliami Kikau are coming to the club in 2023. So huge things in the making for the Bulldogs. I think it's going to take some time before it all plays out, but we'll see how it goes. The one thing that does hinder them this season is that their draw is extremely tricky. It is a really hard start. That's what I do believe is going to stop them from being able to build into a top eight side by the end of the season. I think the draw is it's going to like help toughen them up and it is going to bring them closer as a team. I think in the long run this will help them. But yeah, I think it, it's going to take some time. They've got the Cowboys in Townsville to open the season. I think that is a really winnable game if they are serious about winning the season. Or oh, we're not winning, winning the season, sorry, but making the eight then I think the Bulldogs can absolutely come out and win that game. Then they've got the Broncos at home, which, again, the two first two games, I think, are their two most winnable games. I think they can definitely beat the Broncos at home. Then they've got the Seagulls. I think that'll be a lot tougher, but we'll see how the new signings go. Then they have the Melbourne Storm in Melbourne. Extremely difficult game. Then they have the Panthers after that into the Rabbitohs. 
into Broncos in Brisbane, and who knows by then if Katoni Staggs and Payne Haas, Adam Reynolds and the likes are firing. That could be a really difficult matchup for the Bulldogs. Then they go and they face the Roosters, another incredibly hard matchup. Then the Raiders in Canberra, which is just, you don't you just got to go to Canberra and you get cold as fuck. Uh, and it, uh, the players don't seem to like playing in Canberra, so that's another hard one, especially if the Raiders are rearing at that stage of the season. If they've got momentum behind them, then that is another really difficult matchup. Uh, the 10th tenth match of their season will be at Suncorp Stadium for Magic Round against the Newcastle Knights. So there are some games they can win there, but in their first 10 games... They have to travel to Brisbane to face the Broncos. They have to travel to Townsville to face the Cowboys. They have to travel to Canberra to face the Raiders. They have to travel to Melbourne to face the Storm. They also have to uh, face both grand finalists from last year in the Premiers, the Penrith Panthers and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And they've got to face the Roosters and Seagulls. So an incredibly tough draw. I think that is going to prevent them from finishing in the top eight. But if you're a Bulldogs fan, hang in there. I think there are some extremely bright days ahead. I believe they'll finish the season strong. I think once they get their combinations right and kind of work out what their team looks like going forward, then I think they're going to start to pick up more wins as the season goes on. And I think they'll finish with plenty of momentum heading into 2023, which is when I expect them to push for the eight. Uh, So this year is all about building that, building those standards. You want to finish closer to the eight than the bottom of the ladder to show that you're building something uh, because otherwise... It, it, Kikau and Barney are game breakers especially with Burton like all these names in the side have potential they have potential to win a premiership if they can get the halfback right but yeah if they come out like if they have a poor season this season and then they enter next year with uh, little momentum behind them then there's there's still a chance that you know say Burton doesn't play as well as he did uh, at the Panthers because of the guys around him at the Bulldogs or at Okar then all of a sudden once Kikau and Marnie come over it's not as significant, but I think they're all such great players. They all know how to play in the NRL. They are first grade standard and they are elite players. Kikau and Marnie, as well as Ado Carr, Burton, Tevita Pangai Jr., Brent Naden. So I think we will see some great things from the Bulldogs in years to come, but I don't know if, or I don't think actually that 2022 is that year. Phil Gould is a huge get for them though. I was really sad to see him uh, leave the Warriors. I was excited to see what he could do with the Warriors, but I'm equally as excited to see, maybe not equally because I go for the Warriors, but uh, I was really excited to see him link up with the Bulldogs. This is exactly what they needed. Um, what It's not just about what he's built at the Panthers, but also what he's done at the Roosters, uh, at the Bulldogs as a player, as a New South Wales coach. He is just such a great mind of rugby league. He also has great administration brain and he... He was the one who fixed up this Panthers salary cap. So he went through their salary cap uh, and kind of their monetary business kind of issues and their leagues club and stuff. There were a lot of issues that he needed to get through and he did. He fixed their salary cap and that's kind of similar to where the dogs are at, especially now, like they're having to let go Nick Kotrich because they can't afford all these guys. So I think Phil Gould's going to be excellent. He's going to be able to identify kind of the moves to make to fix up that top 30 and get them competitive. And I think he can do a massive job, even just in this next year, to really set them up for a top eight push in 2023. Although, of course, they will be aiming for a top eight finish this year. I just don't see it happening. 
I will be happy to have egg on my face if they end up making the eight. Uh, congratulations to them. I really like the Bulldogs as a team. I want to see them successful, but this is just how I see the season envisioning for them. I'm also a huge fan of Gus's podcast. If you haven't listened to that, uh, you should listen to it. It's really good. Um, obviously, when they get into the judiciary and things like the referees, it can be a bit boring, but he has great takes. I think I agree with a lot of his takes in terms of the refs uh, and in, in terms of the judiciary as well. I know he gets a bad rap. It's just one of those things he's on TV. He's a commentator. People are like, oh, this guy, I fucking hate listening to this guy speak. But when you actually listen to him speak and you don't have these preconceived ideas uh, or this hate over Gus Gould, I, I think he's one of the great minds of the game. Uh, and he's a great administrator as well. So he's a huge get for the Bulldogs. I think as well, Laundy Hotels, the sponsor is a massive sponsor as well. They seem to really be getting behind the Bulldogs, which it can help. I know it doesn't seem like much, but when you think about like Nick Politis at the Roosters and how big he has been for them over the years, I think Laundy Hotels seem like they are a really quality sponsor. I think that will help build as well. Little things like that that can just help with the stability of the club, which I think Phil Gould also helps with all of that because then he's talking with the sponsors. He's keeping everything moving, and Trent Barrett doesn't have to worry as much about what's going on above him. He can just focus on coaching this footy side. As for the Bulldogs' missing positions, I've gone through that before. They are missing a hooker, but they have Marnie for next year. They are missing an edgeback rower. They have kicker for next year. Their next get is a halfback, so that makes it really interesting. I think once it comes time and players are hitting the open market, I think we're going to see Bulldogs really make a big play for someone even if they wait, because obviously they don't have them for this year, uh, then I think we will see the Bulldogs make a huge play for someone. I will have to check who is off contract. Uh, when they can speak to players, not now, the next November. November this year, when they get to speak to the next bunch of off-contract players, I think they're going to chase a really big fish. Uh, if they can get their salary cap right and just fix the money up, then throw as much of your money as you can as a halfback and fill the other spots how you can, but I think a halfback is absolutely what absolutely sorry what they need. Luke Brooks, I I don't know. He seems like I don't know. I don't know if he would be the fit. I think the Bulldogs is just not quite the place. But I think they will chase a big fish. It depends who's off contract as to exactly who they go for. But I think they will make a play for a halfback. So we'll have to wait and see. Two or three of those crucial positions have been filled by marquee elite players too. So I think that shows that the Bulldogs will have the intention of chasing an elite halfback. We'll see how Jake Everillo and Carl Flanagan and the likes go, though. Uh, obviously, they'll be given every opportunity. But, yeah, I think ultimately we are going to see the Bulldogs chase a really big name. So we'll have to wait and see who that's going to be. And, yeah, Jake Averillo, he's an outstanding player. One of the best, like, it's so pacey. He's exciting. He's got a lot of skills. I think we saw that when he plays center, he looks really good. Uh, maybe center or fullback maybe as best position. Even 5'8", but now they've got Matt Burton there. He's just not an organizing halfback. Even when I looked uh, at Bulldogs, sometimes I'd see the results get posted on Facebook. Obviously, I watch the games as well. But even Bulldogs fans, like that's the general consensus amongst them. They would watch him play and they were being frustrated because he's trying to play this organizing halfback role when really he should just be popping up uh, playing eyes up footy. So yeah, I don't think he's a natural halfback. I think that also really impacts the team. I think it's going to let them down at points. Now, I'll be happy if he can prove me wrong and become a great halfback, 
but I think he's more suited to 5'8", uh, or fullback, or centre. But it's it's interesting. I think in another system, maybe maybe he goes all right at... Maybe not halfback, but yeah, I can see him being in a really good 5'8". But you just have to have the right guys around you, and it just hasn't been working, and he, for mine, isn't the right guy to have in the number 7 jersey heading into this season, but they don't have anyone else putting their hand up. He's just not best utilised as an organising halfback, though. I think, as I said, he's got a good kicking game. He's got really, really good kicking game, great passing game. But it's just that organisation. There seems to be so much involved with being a halfback in the NRL. Nobody gets more pressure in the NRL than the young halfbacks as well. So that does not help his cause. But best of luck to him. If Everly can impress during the difficult opening month of the fixtures, then he will go a long way towards cementing that jersey on a permanent basis. It's also a big year for Kyle Flanagan. Uh, they have Josh Ralph as well, who I said I think will finish the season in the number seven jersey. And they've Bulldogs have also signed a Fijian halfback who make it a run later in the season as well. He's a 22-year-old kid by the name of Pannoni Tagutumua. Uh, he's already represented the Fijian national side as well on three occasions, as well as spending time playing for the Fiji Silk Tails, which they play in, uh, is it Sydney Shield, Ron Massey Cup? It's the one that's like under New South Wales Cup. I know there's a few, but it's the one that's like that next logical next step uh, from that level is to like reserve grade or the next step down is to, I think it's the Ron Massey Cup. Whatever it is, that's where the Silktails play. That's where Pannoni has been playing halfback, but he is also an international. So is Brandon Wakeham, though. He played uh, in the halves for Fiji, and he's on the Bulldogs list. So we'll see how that goes. But the Fijian kid does have some really big raps on him. Halfback is his first preference, so he could be the long-term solution the Bulldogs are looking for. But he can also play hooker, and he's been likened to Api Korosau, which is a really great compliment on his game. Now, my final point in this preview before I make my prediction for their season, uh, Jack Hetherington. It's another, they, that's what kind of just worries me about the Bulldogs. They've got guys like Naden and Pangai Jr. And it's like when they're on, they are game breakers. Like when Hetherington is on, he, he could be in that upper ash. Like he could be pushing for a New South Wales Blues jersey, I believe. Maybe even off the bench as a middle forward. And there is a lot of depth. But at his best, Hetherington is at that level. He is an elite prop. Supposedly, he throws hands as good as anyone as well. And he played for the Warriors just for a tiny bit on loan, and I fucking loved it. He was dope. He was great at the Panthers. I loved watching him come through the grades, and it's just great having some of those, like, hothead firebrands. But the new new style of game, the head high tackles being penalized and getting sin-binned and all this stuff, and the suspensions, the constant suspensions... This is a huge season for Jack Hetherington, especially when you've got someone like Tavita Panga Jr. in the side who has the same issues. If Hetherington can stay on the park, that will really help them to try and be a top eight side if they can have that whole forward pack there. But even if just Jack Hetherington misses out through suspension, then all of a sudden that opens up a huge hole in their pack. Yeah, maybe you start with Paul Vaughan and uh, who was the other? They've got another really good starting prop. It's just escaping me right at this stage. Uh, one moment. I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause for just a second because I know they have another good prop. Ah, uh, yeah. Luke Thompson. Luke Thompson. So I paused. I had a look. Uh, Luke Thompson, the English prop. I rate him really highly as well. He looked awesome last year. 
uh, at points, but he hasn't been able to get that consistency. There's even been talks about them moving him on. I don't know how true they are and that West Tigers were interested. A couple of other clubs interested as well, but he's an elite prop. I rate him really highly, but again, if Jack Hetherington gets himself suspended for, say, five, six weeks, then all of a sudden you start with Luke Thompson rolling forward and you start with Paul Vaughan. But then the next thing you know, like once you get the younger props or you're trying to rotate, you don't have that guy like Jack Hetherington who can come up. And then the bigger other teams with their forward packs are going to get on top of you and they're going to dominate the game. So Hetherington could be a question mark. I'm hoping he has a great season. Brent Naden could be a question mark. Hope he has a great season. Paul Vaughan, question marks on him. I hope he has a great season. And Tavita Pangai Jr., question marks on him. Question marks on Matt Dufty too. That's what prevents me from going for the Bulldogs to have this unreal season. The thing is, if they all click, they could make the top eight. They could press to be a really, really great team if some of the other guys, like whoever's playing hooker and Avarillo, can step up. They have a great team, but it's just there's just too many question marks for mine. I think long term, all these guys, it's going to work out. I don't think they're going to have many controversies or anything like that. But yeah, there's just too many question marks. That's why, that's why I can't back them in to make the eight here. But I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I do wish the Bulldogs the best of luck. They're a great club, strong supporter base. And I really like a lot of the players in their side. I appreciate a lot of the players and what they can do and their ability. And it's been really hard what they've had to sacrifice the last couple of seasons to keep the game going. So I don't want to see any side struggle this season. But unfortunately, some will. The Bulldogs are very 50-50. I can see them going either way. I can see them struggling or I can see them excelling. But I'm leaning towards maybe not struggling. I think they'll go better than last year. But I don't see them making the top eight. Now, in terms of who has the most pressure, I'm going to say Trent Barrett, even though the club are going to stick by him. Uh, the media are just relentless. You've got bloody Buzz Rothfield and Paul Kent and shit and, like, James Hooper. Has James Hooper ever written, like, a positive feel-good story article? I don't think so. To be honest, I don't read any of anything that has James Hooper. I just don't read because it's just, like, literal. I'm sorry, this is, like, not... It can be good. There's a place for it, but yeah, I just think half of it's just mindless garbage. Like, it's just bullshit. So I'm like, it's a waste of time. And there are agendas. A lot of them just have agendas that they are running through their columns. So <clears throat> James Hooper, fuck him, honestly. Uh, Paul Kent, I, I can definitely appreciate. I've, I enjoyed him. I don't really watch NRL 360. It's just not my vibe. Uh, I watch it from time to time. But then the best example I can give, basically about the media and just kind of their role and how they're going to put pressure on Trent Barrett as well. But last year, at the very start of the season, I was like, I'm going to watch NRL 360 because the season starts this weekend. It's the first 360 of the year, right? Like super pumped. I can't wait to get into it. Like the season's about to start. Let's watch some interviews. Let's hear about the games. The first half an hour of the first fucking episode of the season, they were talking to Cooper Cronk because he was working for both the Roosters and the Storm. And they were asking, like, is this a conflict of interest? Like, does Cooper Cronk seem like the kind of guy to you that is going around spilling secrets and stuff? Like, I just don't see that. Cooper Cronk seems like the ultimate professional. And 
I was tuning in because the round one was starting that weekend. I was keen to hear about NRL. I was keen to hear about the games. How are the Melbourne Storm going to go? How are the Roosters going to go? How are some of these other teams going to go? And the first half an hour, Cooper Cronk, is it a conflict of interest that you've done this fucking minimal, like you work at the Roosters and you did some kind of training with the Storm. You helped the Storm out with their halves. Something like that. And uh, at that point, I was just like, I give up on 360. Uh, now, when Yvonne Sampson was on it, I gave it a go just because I rate Yvonne Sampson. But it's just not my show. I don't want to hear about the news, especially kind of the agendas that they drive. Like, I don't want to spend an hour of my fucking night listening to, like, referee and judiciary and, like, boardroom chat. I would rather, and I think a lot of people are leaning this way too, I would rather listen to like a bloke in a bar, even though there's more comedy, it's not strictly about the game. They're talking about the games and they'll talk about issues too. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely, and a lot of people as well, there are a lot of great rugby league podcasts out there. That's obviously just the biggest one, but a lot of people are leaning towards, they want to hear about the games being played. They don't necessarily care as much about the boardroom dramas. Or if you're going to talk about those things like the Cooper Cronk, is it a conflict of interest? Talk about that for five or ten minutes and talk about the games for the majority. But 360 don't do that. They talk about the games very minimally and just their takes and their angles. I'm just not about that. So, yeah. But, yeah, as I said, Buzz Rothfield and they're just their shit and what they do. Not they are shit, but their shit. It's just the shit they get up to and some of the shit they write is heinous. So I do think they're going to go hard at Phil Gould. Phil Gould just seems like the kind of guy that they'd want to fucking smite as well so i think they're going to be going hard at the bulldogs if the bulldogs aren't an immediate success i think trent barrett is going to be under a hell of a lot of pressure from the media they're going to be waiting for him to slip up they're going to say hey he wasn't successful at the seagulls he hasn't been successful here is he even a good coach are the bulldogs going to move him on it's not necessary to have that speculation i don't really think we need it or at least the intensity in a 24-hour news cycle about just the consistency that they are talking about these things, but it's it's going to happen. So Trent Barrett will be under a huge amount of pressure. He'll need to show that he's taking this club in the right direction. And yeah, he'll have Buzz Rothfield and James Hooper. Well, Hooper, I don't think cares as much. I think he's watching his Tigers. He loves his Tigers. Uh, and he'll fucking, he'll just be on the Melbourne Storm, won't he? If the Melbourne Storm are doing any decent, like they have been in the last however long, People will just be writing, you know, bullshit articles. We'll get to final series and it will be like, here's Melbourne's new wrestling techniques. They're like fucking Vulcan of pinching some guy. Like, I just don't care. I don't care. I really don't. Uh, half of it's just so lame. And yeah, Hooper, just stop it. I'm sure you're an all right guy. I'm sure he's a fine guy. He might not be fucking. But yeah, I just don't need those articles in my life. And you shouldn't need them in your life as well because you don't need that kind of mindless shit in your life. It's like 25 reasons to hate the storm. Like, fuck. I could list 50 reasons why you should love the storm, why they're an awesome addition to the NRL and why their contribution to the game makes the game better as a whole. But yeah, it's just, it could be done so much more positively. There's always a negative take. It would be good if there was a mix of positive and negative but James Hooper is predominantly negative, which is kind of just the whole system they have in place that sells papers. Luckily, I am not in the business of having to sell papers, so I'm going to move on now. And the pressure that uh, Barrett is placed under, 
will be immensely relieved by the arrival of Phil Gould. So huge addition. I've been saying it all podcasts. Phil Gould, I think, is maybe their best signing long term. But they do have some cracking long term signings. I would put Matt Burton up there as their best. There's also going to be plenty of pressure placed on the shoulders of Matt Burton and the likes of Josh Adokar as premiership winning marquee signings. They're going to need to drive the standards uh, and show some of the younger guys what it means and kind of the, the level you have to train at and prepare at to be an NRL premiership player because ultimately that is the eventual goal. I'm going to wrap this up now with my ladder prediction. So for the NRL 2022 season, I'm going to have the Canterbury Bulldogs Finishing in 14th. 13th to 14th, but I had a really hard time doing the ladder, and I'm going to say 14th. So I still think they're going to have a better season than last. I don't think they'll be pushovers, but I think the start to their season, especially if they drop some of those easier games, I think it's just going to make them hard to build a foundation to push on. And there are a lot of teams that are rapidly improving And it's just going to take time for the Bulldogs and their combinations to grow. I won't be surprised if they get to like ninth position, but I don't see them making the eighth. I'm sorry if you're a Bulldogs fan. I've put them down really low. I know it's good when you have high expectations for your team. Uh, And I wish them the best of luck. But for my prediction, which really doesn't mean anything anyway, so don't get offended. It means nothing. It means literally nothing, in my opinion. Uh, on where they're going to finish on the ladder. What does matter is watching it all play out, going through the journey of the season, enjoying the highs and the lows. So for Bulldogs fans, get excited about your team's seasons. I would be so excited if I had Matt Burton, Josh Adokar and the likes coming to my club. So there is so much to get excited about, especially when you think about Kickout and Marnie on the way. Uh, you start thinking about premierships, not immediately, but you do start thinking about premierships being in your future Obviously, some really tough grand final losses, a couple under Des Hasler's reign for Bulldogs fans, and they haven't won uh, in that time. So, yeah, it's been a long time coming for the Bulldogs. Uh, they won they won a couple. I remember 2004 still very vividly. But <clears throat> it's been a while, and they're a strong and proud club. So I think the fans get excited about your team, rock up to the game round one, turn the tally on, and support your team because it's... We don't know anything until the ball's kicked. They could come first and win the premiership. We don't know until the ball is kicked for the season. So I'm predicting them to finish 14th. But if you're a Bulldogs fan, get excited about them. If you're an NRL fan, get excited about them. Because if this team clicks on paper, this is such an exciting team. It's they, I think every game this team plays in will be entertaining, regardless of the result. So finally, Bulldogs... 14th position on the NRL 2022 ladder. Wrapping up now, and up next, I will have the North Queensland Cowboys. So I'll be going through the North Queensland Cowboys, where I think they're going to finish. Similar uh, kind of prediction and preview post or podcast, sorry, as to what I've done here. So if you've enjoyed this or you're a Cowboys fan, can people stop fucking texting me? Sorry, I'm so popular. It was uh, Domino's. Domino's always texting me. We have a pretty strong relationship. Yeah, Cowboys up next, going through, doing similar kind of prediction. I will also be dropping my UFC Fight Night, Chikadze vs. Qatar podcast on Monday. So if you've really enjoyed the NRL content, that'll be coming in a few days. And on Monday, I will have my UFC Fight Night podcast. So plenty to look forward to. Until then, thank you for your support and take care.